Hi, and welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Ogden, Utah. My name is John Draskovic. I'm the pastor here. What you hear on our podcast is a selection taken out of each Sunday's worship. The message, the sermon, usually involves a piece of scripture and then uh, diving into that scripture to help understand what it means for our world today. I hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Hey, this week is Christ the King Sunday, sometimes called the Reign of Christ Sunday. It's the end of the liturgical year which means next week we'll begin the year with Advent. And this week's sermon, we talked about uh, endings and beginnings and being able to sometimes tell the difference between the two, can, how that can be hard. But trusting as people of death and resurrection that as one thing ends, something new will begin. And uh, I'll give you a heads up for the, for the message this week. If you're listening to this on audio, I was doing some things in the chancel in, in front of the congregation. I was using some uh, some kind of visual aids, some pots with, with plants in them, and I was doing some things with the soil. So you're not going to be able to see that, but I want you to use your imagination, and you can kind of, with your mind's eye, uh, imagine me doing these things as I'm explaining them. So enjoy this week, at this Christ the King Sunday, as we look to the end of this year and the beginning of a new one. Let's pray together. God of all time and all places, be with us in this time, in this place, just as you have spoken to your people through the prophets and the poets. We pray that we might hear the word that you speak to us today. Just as you have spoken to your people through deeds and miracles, we pray we might have the eyes to see, see the word that you speak to us today. Just as you have called your people to act, in the midst of your creation, we might pray, we pray that we might feel, have the feet to walk and the hands to reach out. Quiet us in any voice but your own, so that by your spirit your words would be lifted up and speak to our hearts on this day. Amen. Well, as, uh, as Chris uh, lifted up, today is Christ the King Sunday. And, uh, or sometimes they call it the reign of Christ, and that's R-E-I-G-N, not R-A-I-N of Christ. Um, and if you've been in the church for any period of time, or maybe if you're new to the church, right, like we have these liturgical uh, vestments and these different colors that change with the seasons of the years. Some of you may have grown up with that. Some of you may not have. Uh, and so we have this thing called a liturgical calendar that goes along. And as a matter of fact, even the way that our worship is structured tells a story, just like the calendar does. And so I kind of want to just walk us through that real quick, because you can spend a lifetime in the church, and nobody's ever pointed this stuff out to you, and so you don't have the eyes to see, to quote a guy I know named Jesus. Um, so for example, there's a reason why the worship service flows the way it does, right? We start with a call to worship. Because the first thing that happens is God calls us. God initiates. God speaks into our life. God calls Abraham. God called Moses at a burning bush. God calls Samuel when he confused his name being spoken with Eli calling out to him the, the high priest. God called Mary by an angel. And God called Joseph in a dream. And then we respond to God's call, to God's initiation. 
And the way that we respond is saying, woe is me, I am an unclean person among people of unclean lips. We have confession. Think of Isaiah who said that. And the seraph coming down with that coal. Remember that famous passage in Isaiah 6? And it touches Isaiah's lips to purify him. Or think of Peter when he realized who he was with in that boat. And he got down on his knees and he said, get away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. And Jesus' response to Peter was, get up. You're no longer going to be fishing for fish. Now on, you're going to be fishing for people. And then we hear God's word after confession and hearing God's pardon. And we respond to God's word. Think of like we heard today in the children's message. God's law being read. God's word being read. His prophets being read. Asking the people, will you be my people and I'll be your God? And the people respond and they say, yes, yes, we will. We will live in this way that you've created all things. And then we are sent out into the world. This is the charge and the benediction, right? Jesus sends his disciples to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And the Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit to be our advocate with us. That's why worship is structured the way that it is. It tells a story every Sunday. And you didn't know it, did you? Yeah, look at that. I'll be honest with you. I didn't know it until somebody pounded it in through a textbook when I was in seminary. So don't feel bad about that. But our liturgical calendar tells a story as well. It tells the story of salvation from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And that story begins with the birth of of Jesus. And so the liturgical calendar actually begins next week with Advent as we prepare for the coming of the Lord. And that's why what we see here in white will be changed to purple or to blue. Uh, now, interestingly, the, this is just a little fun Bible or church history anecdote. Uh, in the very early church, they didn't celebrate Christmas. They celebrated Epiphany. And Easter, those were the two main, Epiphany, right? That's when the wise men show up on January 6th as we celebrate now. It wasn't January 6th, so don't, you know, mark your calendars for that. Uh, but it starts with Jesus' birth. And it kind of moves through to another high point, his death and resurrection. That's the season of Lent and of Advent. And then after he's resurrected, he's ascended. We have an ascension day. And then there is the sending of the Holy Spirit. That's Pentecost. That happens 50 days, Pentecost, 50, 50 days after Easter. And then interspersed between those high points in the calendar, we have what we call ordinary time. That's when we uh, hear the stories of Jesus' life and his ministry, his teachings. Uh, that's actually most of the year. But that's kind of spread out between these kind of punctiliar moments throughout the year. Well, if the calendar starts with Advent, the birth of Jesus, which is next Sunday, that means today is the last Sunday of the year. And so it's really interesting that the year ends with Christ the King, the reign of Christ, right? If the story begins with Jesus' birth, the story ends with Jesus' reign. His reign. R-E-I-G-N. And so that brings us to the scriptures that we had today. The first one I want to lift up is that letter that Paul wrote to the Colossians. This is the first 
chapter, right? This is like the, just after the introduction, right after the, hey, how you guys doing? Good, good to talk with you again. Let me tell you something you need to hear. Okay, this is called the Colossians Christ hymn. It's called that because we think it was probably already a, a poem, a hymn that the early church had already established, that Paul would have already known and he drew from. And in this sense, it's one of the oldest Christian statements in the New Testament about who Jesus is, along with there's a Christ hymn in Philippians in chapter 2 as well. And it's this beautiful, dense statement, reminiscent of the prologue to John's gospel, in the beginning was the word, right? Listen, and this is such a beautiful statement. I think it bears, especially on Christ the King Sunday, being read publicly again. And as I do this, I want you to pay attention to how many times Paul uses the word all. In, in Greek, it's panta, all, okay? Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him, all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold themselves together. It's like he was getting tired of finding new words. He is the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven or, or whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of the cross. You could spend hours, days going through that passage. Uh, it is one of the first statements the church had about the gravity of who this person Jesus really was. That is, I think it speaks unto itself about why we lift that up on Christ the King Sunday. But I want to get to the Luke passage as well. This comes from Luke chapter 21. And this is a text about ends and beginnings. Jesus is here in Jerusalem. He's teaching. He's at the temple. He knows that the cross is still yet to come. And he's sitting there with his disciples and they're looking at the temple. And they start talking about how beautiful it is, how wonderful it is. Look at those stones, they're amazing. Look at the lights, look at the porticos, my goodness. And Jesus starts talking about how it's going to be destroyed. It'll be torn down. Not one stone will be left upon another. Which to the disciples was the same thing as the end of the world. At least the end of the world as they know it. And Jesus is actually pretty calm, I think, when he's talking about this end. I don't think that line about the days will come where not a stone will be left upon a stone and all will be thrown down is, is meant to be read in that um, like fear-inflicted intonation of like revenge action flick. You know, not a stone will be left upon a stone, right? I don't think he says it like that. I suspect it was kind of matter of fact. He says, even this beautiful temple, even that isn't going to survive. I think what he's saying is that even though some things seem like they're eternal, 
these seemingly eternal things, they have an end too. All things end. Because endings just are. But not everything is a sign of the end. And then here's the thing. When Jesus is preaching about endings here, he actually talks about points towards new beginnings. In the midst of an ending, there is always looming a new beginning. His followers will make a new community. And that community will insist that beginning comes out of end, that life comes out of death. <laughs> hey, Dad. <laughs> Jesus' followers, this community, is the one that insists resurrection is just as much a practice that you do every day as it is a miracle that happened. It insists that in the middle of the falling apart and the decay and the ending of this world, there is a new beginning, a new kingdom that's coming. And I'll tell you, being part of that kind of a community is hard. Like, it, it's difficult to live trusting that a new beginning is possible out of the endings of what we know. It is hard work to live that way. And here, at the end of the liturgical year, I want to point out something that I have noticed. Imperceptible, maybe, but it's kind of my job to be always looking, to have my finger on the pulse to be testing the air on this. Maybe over the last 6 to 12 months, I've noticed something. We've been putting together a lot of work, a lot of energy into new beginnings. We've been looking to the future with hope, with faith, with trust that there will be fruit of a new beginning. But you know what? Fruit comes slowly with patience. And so as I'm kind of noticing what's going on and the work that's being put in and the little subtle changes that are happening, and as some things end, there are new beginnings that come, it got me thinking about gardening. I'm a terrible gardener, but I do understand the concept of it. What if we're in the middle of one of those seasons of transition between ending and beginning? A, a season where some things are going away while other things in a painful, fragile process are being born new. And it struck me that sometimes it's really hard to tell the difference between an ending and a beginning. That that line isn't clear and black and white, but it's a lot more fuzzy and gray. And so it got me thinking about gardening. And so I wanted to kind of illustrate how this could work. How you have to prepare your work. You get the tools ready. How you got to do a little planting. You till the soil. Hold on, hold on, I practiced this. This is a bulb, right? 
Yeah, okay. So, so this isn't going to grow right away. And you have to be patient. And you have to be loving. And you have to care for it. And as you're doing this, you're hoping for a time that's still yet to come. For this season to come to fruition, to maturity. I'm making a mess. <laughs> We're planting. We're tilling. And yes, you have to water. And this is part of the process of hoping for new growth. And it made me realize that as we're putting this work in, visual aid, as we're doing the work, we trust that what we're doing today will lead to new life tomorrow, that out of ending here will come new beginning there. And yet, it can look like nothing's happening. Or even worse, it continues. It can be imperceptible from something that's died. This is evidence of my gardening skills. Look at how similar these two pots look. You can see there's some plants in here. There's potential for life in this one. But trust me, it doesn't matter how much you water this one. It's not coming back. They may look the same, but these two are light years apart. And right now, we're in the season where we're tilling the soil, where we're planting seeds, where we're weeding out the weeds, where we're watering the work that we've done. And I see that. And some of the ways that I've seen that in action over the last six months to a year is that the conversations I'm having with you all aren't about the past anymore. They're about the future. We're looking through the windshield of the car. We're not looking in the rearview mirror anymore. What a win that in itself is. We're talking about what the future is going to look like. What new things God is doing. What growth is God going to bring? I don't know, but I can't wait to find out. And while we're in this season, we're doing a lot of tilling and weeding and watering, and it may seem like nothing is happening, but what if it's a new beginning just waiting to spring forth? What if we are as far apart as these two pots right here? And I wouldn't be doing my job as your pastor if I didn't remind you that the harvest isn't the only thing that matters. Remember, Paul said something to a little church in Corinth about this. He said, I planted, Apollos watered, but it is the Lord 
who brings the harvest. And Jesus said, ask the Lord to send out laborers into his field for his harvest. And so there is a whole lot of tilling, of planting, of watering, of weeding that has to happen before the fruit comes. But I believe and I trust that if we are faithful in this, the Lord of the harvest will bring new fruit. And so at this Christ the King Sunday, we trust that with endings of some things come new beginnings elsewhere. And so we enter into the labor, or into the harvest, and we allow God to bring the growth as we do what he's called us to do. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, you are the Lord of the harvest. You are the one... Looking forward to visiting with you next week as we see you back here at the podcast.